You're listening to a podcast from Turners Hill Free Church. For more information and resources, visit turnershillfreechurch.org.uk. So, I wanted to um, take some time to just review some of the stuff that the Holy Spirit's been speaking to us as a church recently. Um, it can be quite easy, can't it, to kind of um, go from one thing to the next and keep moving forward and not take the time to just go, okay, what what do we need to respond to? Are we, are we moving on too swiftly? And... Um, and we've been so blessed as a church recently, actually. We've, we really need to thank the Holy Spirit for speaking to us. Um, because we've, we've had some messages which um, tie together really nicely. And um, for those of you that don't belong to this church and haven't been around for the last few months, um, what I'm about to say is going to basically summarise some of the things that have been said over the last few months. And then I want to um, pose the question about how do we respond to that? And then using um, a, a scripture from Hebrews, I'd like to um, attempt at giving a, an, an answer to that question. So quite a long while back, uh, a guy called Will Losher came. Do you remember he came with his son and his son played the piano and sung, sung a song? Josh, that's it. And... Um, and Will used a phrase which I found really helpful because I'd been wrestling with the idea, does God love everyone? Shall I throw that question out to you or that, is that kind of awkward? I won't. Um, I always used to hate it when people would say to put up your hands. I once did it and realised it was an altar call and I was giving my life to the Lord again. Um, and everyone who... Um, <laughs> in the leadership team was like, why did we let him on the worship team if he wasn't saved? Um, so the answer is, yes, God does love everyone. Does the Lord delight in everyone? The answer is no. And um, he, he used this word delight, and it really helped me to understand so much of what I read in the New Testament, which is, that um, about become, being adopted into the family of God and becoming a son, you receive, because of what Jesus has done, the Father's delight. And um, so there's just a small piece of background. Then, um, I don't know, a couple of months back, I spoke on, are you hungry for God? Are you hungering after him? And if you're hungry for him, then you will be obedient to him. So bear in mind, this is what the, you know, um, John says in Revelation, doesn't he? He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And that's what we're trying to do now. We're trying to hear what the Spirit is saying to our church. <clears throat> and then Jeff spoke on what stops you um, or prevents you from hearing God's call. And then Jeff, the following week, asked an, a stunning question or made a stunning point, I think. And he said, the reason you don't evangelise is because you don't enjoy God enough. Does anybody remember that? 
it was it was a stunning uh, revelation. And those who are familiar with the work of John Piper in Desiring God will know the maxim that um, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him, and um, and it, the idea of joy being the kind of the centre of how we engage with our Christian walk is just such a wonderful one. If you don't have joy, you're not fully engaged in evangelism. You're not fully engaged in worship. You're not fully engaged in the disciplines. You can't do any of that stuff because Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. If you want to have a walk a Christian life like Jesus, there's got to be joy there. So that was a really great point, Jeff. Well done. Um, in our evening services that we did for about 13 weeks, um, the Lord spoke um, to us in a, a number of ways. And um, one of the ways was with Sarah. I didn't think she was going to be here. So um, I thought you were going to be in crash. So, um, and it was a, the, the Lord gave her a vision of a river of grace and joy. Is that right? And um, it's a powerful river. And it's like smashing stuff up. And it's all these enormous things are being flowing down the river because it is powerful. And we're not just to stand at the side and stare at it. We're to get in. And it's dangerous. There is that sense of danger, isn't there? But this grace um, brings with it power. And so it's like the Holy Spirit was saying, if you jump into the river, you will experience power and you'll experience grace. It doesn't mean it's going to be safe, but it does mean it's going to be good. Is that roughly? Okay. But in the river, you can't um, prevent the flow of the spirit. Okay. You can't hold it back. It's like yeah. So for those that wouldn't have heard that, um, this um, powerful river was taking stuff out. It was um, taking people out, taking things out, and um, and Sarah inquired of the Lord, "What what is this?" And He said, "It's a river of grace." And so she was like, "Oh, does grace do that?" I didn't realize. And um, and the idea is to go with the flow and not try to, um, you can't stop the flow of the grace of God. And then Jeff and I had the same picture at different times without knowing, which was about um, cracked land. Um, like, a you know, when you think of, um, well, actually this summer, we've had cracks in the ground, haven't we? Um, and that the... God's grace was going to pour into the cracks to nourish the ground. 
And actually the cracks were a useful fissure through which God could bring nutrients to the ground. Um, and so it was a case of don't think of your brokenness as a hindrance to God's grace. Actually, it is an access point for God's grace. It's good, isn't it? And then Jeff spoke on um, you get to work in conjunction with God as a son, not as a slave. And so that our actions are meaningful and that we can order our lives in a godly way um, to work in conjunction with God. Then we had Gareth come. Gareth with the wonderful name Lloyd-Jones. Gareth Lloyd-Jones came and spoke. And um, it was excellent, wasn't it? And he just asked the question, are you satisfied in God? And then um, Sarah was praying with a friend of ours and she had a picture, which we haven't shared with you guys yet. So this will be new to you. And um, there was this downpour. Again, the Holy Spirit keeps talking with metaphors of water. Um, and there's this downpour on this building and the water's running off the roof and down the sides. And then God lifts up the roof and takes it off and the water comes into the church and it soaks down into the foundations of the church. That was the picture that this lady who doesn't know us or know us as a church um, had. And then last week, um, Paul came and spoke. Wasn't it lovely? <laughs> it really was lovely. And he just said, the father loves you very much. He delights in you. Do you know how much the father loves you? So, wow, we've got this body of um, scripture and um, and word that is being given to us. So the question is, what do we do with that? I think sometimes we, in our rushing culture, the temptation is always to move on to the next thing that's going to entertain or satisfy or make us feel comfortable. I just think we need a breather. Just a little break to let some of that stuff soak in. If you go back to the metaphor of water pouring on dry ground, it doesn't soak in unless there is a just a continual rain that softens the topsoil and enables it to get down below the surface. Otherwise you get flash flooding. Father, we want to be those who hear your words and who obey and respond accordingly. We want to be like that house built on a rock. God, we pray that with open hearts we would receive your word for us this morning and that we would allow some of these words from the past few months to soak in and to make a difference in us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I think that the response to these words has got to be faith. I think we need to respond in faith. Faith is not something that comes naturally to us. It doesn't come naturally to us. We're too wealthy. We're too used to being in control of our own lives and in control of the processes that go on in life. We're too used to it to have faith in someone else. If you're a, a Westerner, the chances are that you have a great deal of faith 
in yourself. It doesn't come naturally to us, it comes supernaturally to us. Faith is a gift of God. It's not from yourself, it is a gift of God. And so, we're going to take a look at a passage um, from the great chapter on faith in Hebrews 11. And in this small passage, I felt God gave this to me a couple of weeks back. And um, it just has this wonderful phrase in it, which we're going to um, get to, which is that without faith, it is impossible to what? Please God. So we're going to read Hebrews 11, just verse 5 and 6. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So this book of Hebrews was written a little bit like Galatians, actually, with the purpose of preventing Christians from going back to Judaism. Okay, so I think it also serves us well to encourage us Christians not to go back to Western capitalistic kind of self-seeking, self-serving individualism. It kind of does the same purpose. So in this passage we're told Enoch walked with God. What does that remind you of? Yeah. It makes me think of Adam walking with God. Adam and Eve walking with God. And um, Amos 3.3 says that can two walk together except that they be agreed? Like, you do, in order to walk with God, you've got to agree with him. And it seems Enoch agreed with God. He didn't say, yes, but... And there's a, a really brilliant southern preacher who's been in Mexico for most of his life now called David Hogan. And um, he, he says, some people come up to me and they say, but, but pastor, and I say, God's butt, sheep obey. <laughs> and um, we're tempted in our kind of, I don't know, what's the word, where everyone has their own way, poly something, <laughs> can't think. Um, anyway, in our society where we just think everyone's kind of autonomous and everyone can do what they like, we think, yes, God, I agree with these bits, but these bits I'm not so comfortable with, right? And we all do it. It's not just the lefties, people. <laughs> we all pick and mix theology. And it seems that Enoch was very good at not picking and mixing. He just said yes to God. So walking with God is learning to agree with him, obey him, trust him. If you do not, you will not be able to walk with him. Isn't that what we want? We want to walk with God, don't we? 
We really want to walk with God. We want to agree with him. We want to say yes, Lord, when he says something. To be fair, he's got a little bit more information than we have. His data banks are bigger. He knows better. Tim Keller says, doesn't he? You would do what God does if you knew as much as he did. So Enoch walked with God. Then it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if we say that another way, you can say, if you don't have faith, you don't please God. How's your faith? Anything that doesn't come from faith is what? Sin. Romans 14.23, just on at the end of the passage about whether you eat or celebrate certain days, he said, whatever you do, do it in faith. Because anything that does not proceed from faith or come from faith is sin. Isn't that amazing? I think when I first read that, I found it quite limiting. <laughs> I think I thought, oh man, I can't do anything that is not, I can't do anything righteous without faith. This is limiting. Actually, I subsequently feel like this is so freeing. So, should you eat um, halal food? Yes? No? Whatever you do, do it in faith. Should you invite people around on a Sunday where you're having to prepare food and get to be busy? Yeah? No? Just do it in faith. This could be um, a, a move towards licentiousness, like be, think it, being licensed to do stuff. And Paul's very careful to say, everything's permissible to me, but not everything is beneficial. So I'm not saying do whatever you like, but kind of that's what the gospel does. It gives us an enormous an inordinate amount of freedom. And then says, go, choose something, choose something by faith, do something good with it. You see, we, we have a very precious friend who's a Jehovah's Witness and their faith um, dictates what they must do. And then they look at the church and go, the church, that's so divided. You know, we all do the same thing. And you're, you're just like all over the place like this. yes. Because it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. No longer to be burdened with a yoke of slavery that tells us do this, do that. But actually says, makes an introduction between us and God the Father. And says, now go and do what you like in faith. Isn't that amazing? It's freedom. Freedom can cause us to do wrong things. But forgiveness brings us back. So for three years I didn't take... Painkillers, something we were talking about that this morning. Because um, I felt like in order to have faith, I've got to believe that God can heal me of migraines. I used to get them every weekend. So for three years, every weekend, I'd have a debilitating migraine as well while I was at uni, so it's fine. I wasn't doing anything important at the time. And um, there's a degree of truth in that. Um, and it was agony. And my mum actually pleaded with me to take painkillers. And I was such a martyr. 
Um, but this stuff sets us free from that. It says you can take pain relief in faith, and it's good. It says that you can work hard in your job in faith. It says you can actually buy life insurance in faith. Again, though, things might be permissible to you, but they may not be beneficial. So you've got to weigh up. What kind of person is this creating? Am I building in myself here by choosing this? So how hard is it for a rich person to get into heaven? Well, Jesus says it's impossible um, with man, he says. We struggle to believe. When I say rich people, I mean us, right? You know, was it Gareth that said that? That we often say, like, how the other half live. But actually, we are the other half. And it's not even a half. It's like 2%. Um, So we struggle to trust in the unseen because we are surrounded by so many seen things that seem to satisfy us. God says, I am going to take care of you in your old age. But we plan for the possibility that he might not. Jesus says, don't take a bag for yourself. And just at the point where we're getting the zip over the kitchen sink, you know, like we're. We believe some stuff that we don't really believe. Let me say it another way. We confess some stuff that we don't actually believe. Western living makes us slow to trust in God and others. We're the masters of our own destiny. What's that rugby, South African rugby film called? Invictus. Invictus, yeah. It's like this, is that a poem by, um, what's his name? Yeah. And it's like this self-god, Nelson Mandela, is it? Is it by him? Anyway. Um, we trust ourselves as our own god. And unless the impossible happens, we're lost. We're like camels, just kind of going... Like that. But through regeneration, by the power of the work of the Holy Spirit, we find a saviour who drags us through the eye of a needle and causes us to be to shed the stuff that we don't really need. And he's not just the kind of saviour that goes, right, on your feet, off you go. He actually walks with us throughout the rest of our lives and sees us all the way to the end by the power of his Holy Spirit. It's better for me to go away, Jesus said, because then I can send the helper. And he says, I will go to the Father. So Enoch walked with God. He pleased him. And then we say, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's hard to have faith in a world that tells you to constantly have faith in yourself. And then we get to this really funny bit. So, did any, do, have any of you found this phrase funny? Anyone who comes to me must, be, anyone that comes to God must believe that He exists. <laughs> Has anyone else found that funny? Because I, I, I found that funny for quite a long time. Um, and I, in my study Bible, I read the bit underneath, and it said, uh, 
even the demons believe. And it's like, oh, okay. So there are two parts. And it, the way the study Bible put it, it kind of made it seem like the first thing that you believe that he exists is not really that important. But the second bit, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him, is like the important bit. But actually, I was just meditating on that. And I was like... So, uh, do we really believe God exists? Like, really? Really believe it? Because the demons do, and James 2.19 says they shudder. (laughs) But they're at least responding to God's real existence. When we're driving 90 on the motorway, knowing that there are no cameras in that part of the motorway or whatever, do we really believe that God exists? And that he's there? And he's watching? And he sees our hearts? We're fooling ourselves if we think that he's either busy or sleeping until Sunday, or that he doesn't care about our private behaviour and the rule of law. God exists even when it's inconvenient to your schedule or your comfort. What is our response to God's eternal existence and presence in our lives? The demons shudder. I would suggest that we make ours a slightly more comprehensive response. Um, and I think obedience, faith, like when we're, when we're worshipping, are we really thinking God exists? He's really there. He really hears. And when we're kind of going, okay, they're doing that, they're doing that, and oh, I better look passionate, crunch up my eyes a bit more. There we go. Good. Like, we're not connecting with the reality that God actually exists. And he rewards those who diligently seek him. So this is kind of Paul's message last week, that God, do you know that your heavenly father loves you? He wants to reward you in this life and the next. We always have to do our part, don't we? Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. In fact, if you think about Enoch, he knocks and God opens the door and allows him in. Thank you, Matt, for slightly laughing there. You do your part, God does his. So, we know God loves his creation and he delights in his children. But what happens when his children squander their inheritance and stop acting like his sons? So if we think of the story of the lost son or the prodigal son, We know that when the son comes home, the father delights in him, doesn't he? But how does the father feel when the son's walking away? Does he feel as exuberant? We don't know, but we guess he feels sad. We guess that he's not putting robes on him and rings on him and slaughtering the fatted calf. If my son Milo rejects my teaching about being kind and gentle and starts beating up other kids and being mean and turns into a horrible bully and gangster, am I going to delight in him? No. Emphatically, no. 
It doesn't mean I stop loving him. So what's our response then as a church? The question I would like to ask you, Paul said last week, do you know that your father loves you? And my question to you this week is, do you want to delight your father? Or are you willing just to receive his general love and general grace towards people? For sure, the sun shines on the righteous and on the wicked. Good people experience bad things. Bad people experience good things. But do you want to delight your father in heaven? If so, you have to have faith. Faith is your key to delighting your father's heart. Faith faith without action is what? Dead. Totally dead. You know, I'm, last week a phrase came to me, three words. New creation grows. Wait for you guys, it would be new creation grows. <laughs> um, growth is one of the seven signs of life. If you have a relationship with God that stagnates, that doesn't grow, it is dead. It needs resurrection. It needs the Father to breathe into the dust of your relationship with him to bring resurrect it and bring life to it. I don't know for sure, but that may possibly be a daily thing. <laughs> you know, when you wake up and you just feel grotty and you need the Father to just breathe life into you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. If you want to increase your faith, instead of watching, what was it I said I watched? Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Instead of watching that, why not watch a bit of John Piper or Francis Chan or people that love God or um, who are the people you like? Todd White. Yeah, the guy with dreadlocks. Who else do you guys listen to when you want to lift your spirits? Tim Keller. Tim Keller. <laughs> Jeff. Jeff. It's good, isn't it? Got one of the, uh, what's that? Oh, okay, I thought you said rock music. <laughs> I was imagining you headbanging in your car, just like, yeah. That's great. So, what's that? Yes, yeah. The wise man built his house on rock music. Um, I just believe the Holy Spirit is saying, return to me. Return to me. Return to, the, to return to God. Seek to delight him. Faith produces trust. And trust, out of trust, love grows, doesn't it? You can't have a love relationship without trust. And out of love grow all the things that God has um, for your life that he wants to bless you with. And these three remain faith, hope and love. And the greatest of these is love. I, I believe that. I just think that 
specifically what the Holy Spirit wants to say to our church is you need faith if you want to please God. So what we're going to do is we can just have a short time of ministry now. And you can stay sitting down and I'm just going to pray for you. Um, It would be really good if everyone could just close their eyes, actually. Matthew 21, 22 says, And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight.